Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red Liverpool podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are LFC editor Andy Kelly, uh, The Wanderer Returns, Christian Walsh is back among us, and we've also got Joe Rimmer. Uh, we'll start off then with the international break, which is what everybody's been talking about, haven't they, Andy? Uh, absolutely <laughs> turgid. I mean, seriously, you just get into the... We've already had one before this one, just as the Premier League was getting going. Then we had this one. Um, I know... Probably we have to have them, though I'd love if someone could come up with a better solution than this two weeks of absolute monotony. And, you know, it'd be okay if we had some decent football to watch. But, you know, the, of all the international games, even the highlights seem quite yeah. dull. And, uh, you know, the England game last night was enough to put me to sleep. It genuinely drifted off. Is that not the fault then of all footballers for not being very good? Well, certainly some of those footballers in the England team aren't very good. I was just, somebody put on uh, social media last night, they, they put up a picture of the current England team next to the one from around about 10 years ago with had Ferdinand, Beckham, Gerrard, uh, Lampard, various others. And, uh, you know, obviously that, I think, you know, that was known as the golden generation or whatever. And they, they couldn't get it done in terms of being very watchable. You know, at times they were okay. Um, this current lot, if you go through the team, I know obviously there's, you know, potentially, you know, obviously one Liverpool player, potentially three there in Henderson, Klein and uh, and Lallana when the latter two are fit. But Sturridge as well. Sturridge, of course, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, 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 there's others there, and you know, who, you know, just don't thrill. I mean, you know, you don't have to go through them, but I would have said... Theo Walcott, we've had enough of seeing him at England level, haven't we? Gary Cahill, wrong end of his career. Um, there's so many of them who you sort of think aren't good enough anyway. And then there are the others who you just think uh, are, are struggling with being able to play in an England shirt. And whatever happens to footballers when they take on the England jersey, and we all saw how that's played out over the last few tournaments. I just think the pendulum swung now. I think it's it's gone from international football to club football. You know, look at the the, the group of games that happened just before the international break. You've got you know someone like Sergio Aguero going up against uh, Alderweireld. You've got obviously the likes of Sturridge for me. You know, uh, Coutinho going up against. All right, they're not great players, but you know the, these defenders of Swansea. You've you've got Pogba. You've got Ibrahimovic. You've got. Uh, you know the Arsenal players as well, Sanchez and Azel, and they're there every week playing. You know each other on 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 a, on a stage where the fans care, the television coverage is really good, and 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 there's just a, there's just a lot more to it. There's a lot more excitement that every game matters. I mean, obviously you get to maybe April and May, and you don't, but at the moment every game matters, and you compare that to international football where was a qualifier? Does it not matter? It, but it doesn't because of the, the 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 gap between. There's no relegation. There's no there's no European places. Obviously, it's it's just the, there'll be one. Especially the way the World Cup is working out this day for the, for this tournament in Russia. You get one who goes through. The runner up goes into a playoff, and the rest don't. So you have got a team like Scotland there, three you know three games in, and what's the point? What was the point in, in in any of them turning up? I mean, anymore? we should. To be fair, we could have said that after one game was gone. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, I suppose. The, 
all you'd say is maybe it's a victim of England getting the most uninspiring group ever. You know, yeah. also the easiest group ever. It's what the same group the thing is, I think it seems to get the Yeah, it might change when they actually get round to playing Scotland next month. I think people will pay a lot more interest. But Joe, you don't pay any interest whatsoever, do you? It's not just England, though, is it? You know, I think the most glamorous international game of this break has probably been was probably Holland France, and that was a one nil, pretty. Dull affair, and the the winning goal was you know the goalkeeper should have pushed it around the post, no problem. It's not international football. The Euros, did anyone really think the Euros was an outstanding tournament? I certainly didn't. I didn't think there was anything in there that really. There was one game I watched from start to finish that was Germany France. That was a good game. Uh, which was you know mm. fantastic game of football had major financial involvement which didn't go so well. <laughs> and, uh, and, and 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 you know there was just, but it was just you know it was a proper two proper teams going yeah, at it yeah. and you know so many of those games you just flicked through didn't you because you just like it was so watered be... down this yeah. year it's, and, and it was you know it was great for so many of the, the nations who got their first ever tournament goal or, or points but it just meant for a really watered down tournament didn't it sorry but such yeah, Northern I mean, Ireland such Ireland I, I can come at this from both sides. I mean, Northern Ireland were playing Germany uh, last night, but I still didn't want to put it on live and watch mm-hmm. it. I mean, especially once Germany went one up, nil up in that game, you, you knew what way it was going to go. And um, <clears throat> this is the difficulty, isn't it? I mean, how far do you reckon you'd have to go down the Premier League in positional terms to find a team that could beat England? You know, I'd say most of the top... I, I know it's it's a sort of impossible to judge because some of those Liverpool players or whatever would be in the England team or whatever but you know a team a third of the way up the Premier League top 10 I reckon top, 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 10. top 10 would all be England I reckon a team, I, I honestly reckon a team like let's say Burnley would give them, would give them a, a decent game <laughs> don't forget that the Premier League last year was rubbish so it's just an ex- extension of that really it's, it's rubbish but there's still the excitement and the drama I mean look, look at the I know everyone's going on about the managers but you've got Mourinho versus Klopp this it, week you've got it had the greatest story ever Ian in yeah. terms of Leicester yeah, 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 yeah but it doesn't mean qual- that it was it doesn't mean the quality was good there might be no, a great no. story at the end of this the reason, say, at the, say at the end of this World Cup England win it which let's face it that no one thought Leicester could win it let's say England win it or Northern Ireland or somebody stupid like that then everyone say oh what a great story I would still argue that the football in the Premier League is far more fluid and far more exciting. Well, and there's a lot more happening than, than international football when it's just very turgid stuff. Yeah. They, they don't, I suppose they don't, they don't play together enough to really develop any style of play. So it's very, very safe football. You know, England especially is just sideways and backwards, isn't it's it? Still, you know, I agree with Ian's point about, you know, there weren't any really outstanding... There wasn't a team that you'll remember from last year's um, Premier League. You'll remember Leicester because of that incredible story and the fact that you still sometimes go. You forget. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Leicester won the Premier League. You know, great for them. But it was. I mean, one of the big contributing factors was, of course, that the, those those the so-called powerhouses of the league were all in 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 transitional phase, and it so happened that they all aligned, and not not one of them had a team that was good enough to beat Leicester. So fair, you know, fair play to them. So what have they done? They've gone out, they've spent money, they've hired really good managers, they've they've, they've looked to improve the teams. International football's in the doldrums, and you've got it in the hands of FIFA to try and make it interesting again. That that's and all they do is add add extra teams to each group. Uh, don't exactly. Yeah, it's your also Vatican City are in it next year. You know, it's just <laughs> also you know they've got the post. Is that why Alberto Moreno was in the Vatican? <laughs> <laughs> Getting a left back. I mean, you know, who's the Spain manager? Him. I know which one it is, but I can't remember L- his Lots name. Lots of Puglia or whatever. Him, yeah, yeah. Who's it. the Italian manager? 
that's um, the other guy. Exactly, <laughs> you know. He's on the back foot here, hasn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the <laughs> Belgian manager? <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, exactly. So you, you know, you, you've, you've, the international football, international managers. There's no, there's no identity. There's no, there's no excitement. There's no real big names. You know, Conte was one of the biggest names, and he's gone to Chelsea. So it's just, you know, let's not be nasty, but you know, Gareth Southgate's the England manager at the minute. It's off Middlesbrough down. It's off Middlesbrough down, basically. So, it, it, you know, it is... You look, Obviously, you look at it from a club angle, you know, whether you're a Liverpool fan, a Manchester United fan, Everton fan, Manchester United fan, whoever. But I think even without that, you've got to look at it and just go, it just needs a drastic rethink all the way around. And if they could get it done, dusted in a month, that would be fantastic. That would never happen, though. It's never I know happen. it wouldn't, but... It's never going to happen. You know, the, the, I always the, think, sorry, I always think sometimes that international football is almost football for people who don't watch football. Well, you in, see the, it because that's why you see. Look at the viewing figures for and some of the games. And Scott Talent. Yeah, yeah, these, yeah. You, know, you look at the, some of the viewing figures for some of the games. They're, they're massively more than any Premier League game ever will be. And it's, it's almost like people who aren't really that interested in football watching go, "Oh, yeah, that's not very good." Or yeah, whatever. Have you. Talk about. Yeah, it's a it's like a communal experience. Yeah. It's. I mean, you see the flags when England go away, don't you? You know, it's most. You know, those Union flags are covered in. In, in Bristol City, Bristol, you know, lower it's league teams normally, and so this might be a this might be a different different <laughs> issue for lower division teams and people who follow them in terms of going. But for most Liverpool supporters, all this last two weeks was it was a lack of good football to watch, and where are players going to come back? Okay, and they didn't. Which is not, it's almost like you've set me up for that question because obviously. Uh, as Joe watched, I think you watched and I watched that. Did you watch the Holland game? Holland France game? No. Christian? No, it was it wasn't very good. Holland aren't very good. But one person who got injured was Wayne Alden. He's done his hamstring, it looks like. We're trying to find out what's up with him. But for now we've got to assume he's not gonna play on Monday. And that's always the cost of these international breaks, isn't it, Andy? It, well, yeah. I mean everyone's got their fingers crossed when they see your players go away. You know, we've heard Jurgen Klopp talk about this. He always knows exactly how many players he's got away when they're all due back. Liverpool, you know, in the past have put on flights to get Coutinho and Firmino home from Brazil when Firmino's gone too. Um, and of course, when Aldo injured, yeah, we were all watching it, goes off. I mean, the strange thing is that the um, the Dutch uh, manager, who who's blind, yeah. uh, I thought you were going to test me on that. No, no, we know that. Um, so said that uh, when Aldo told him at half time that his hamstring was tight and he'd have to come off, in, uh, he'd have to come off in the second half now. To me, if 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 I'm Jurgen Klopp and I hear that, I'm I'm on the blower to Danny Blind going, "You've got my player. He's told you he's got a tight hamstring. I don't want you bringing him off 15 minutes into the second half. You take him off there and then, no matter how important you, the game does, is." Does Danny does Danny Blind have a son who plays for Manchester United? Yeah. 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 Well, you, you, that's I'll conspiracy theory. Yes. International football. We've said international football was boring. We've just made yeah. it sound incredibly exciting. But uh, but I mean, from <laughs> everything we know about Jurgen Klopp, he's not going to take a risk on uh, Ginny Wijnaldum. No, he is very much a hundred percent fitness man, isn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah. we saw like Casino, for example, against Leicester. I mean, he just had probably had a bit of jet lag if, if that. But because yeah. he didn't have the prerequisite training sessions, like Emery Chan, Emery Chan's not really had a look in this season. Because Danny Ings, because they just haven't had the, the training sessions that he firmly believed that they should have. Yeah. He's not going to be someone who throws him in and takes a risk. It's interesting with Brian Alden, though, isn't it? Because I think, on one hand, it's good for Liverpool now because they've got Emery Chan who come straight back in. I assume that he would drop deeper and, and Henderson would maybe move such a further forward. 
but I think and I think people will feel like that. They won't be too worried if Wijnaldum misses out. But I think he probably could be Liverpool's most underrated player this season. He really is a man that keeps everything ticking over. All right, doesn't do a lot flashy, but I thought, for example, in the Chelsea game, physically he's strong. He's good with the ball. He, everything, a lot of the you know a lot of the midfield play goes through him. He's he's been very very good, and I wonder whether against United they will miss him. I think it, I think there'll be some more of Lallana misses out as well. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I think that's that's the big thing. I think you can almost, as you say, you drop you drop uh, Chan in there, you bring Henderson forward, then you've got Lallana, and that still sort of works. But with no Lallana as well, you maybe looking at Coutinho dropping in there, yeah. and then yeah. then you're looking at pretty much a whole new midfield. Everyone playing in a different position or playing sort of when they haven't been playing at times this season. We'll look a bit more at the, the United game late this week in a, in a separate podcast, but one final thing on the international break will be Jordan Henderson, who, for as much as we have a go at England, still captain in England, is still a big honour. He put on the armband. It wasn't a particularly great performance from him, but Andy, it's another sign of the progress that he's made this season, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all you can say about Jordan Henderson is the fact that this season he's playing. You know, all the, last season this sort of... Um, build up around Jordan Henderson and should he be the Liverpool captain and all all this nonsense, you know, it was was primarily sort of fanned by the fact that we couldn't get a fit an A one Jordan Henderson on the pitch. So you you were seeing a sort of either you weren't seeing him or you were seeing Jordan Henderson light, you know, who wasn't you know fully at it. Bad heel problem. Obviously had this uh, uh, this problem in his bone and his foot as well. And uh, what we're seeing now is, albeit in a new position, this. Six as club. It's funny how um, just the narrative of what we call stuff changes with managers because you know, centre half, you know, isn't it? You know, Klopp talks about the six and the eight. You know, which is basically the def- six, the defensive pivot, and eight sort of you know a bit further forward. But but you know those you'd never have heard that maybe two or three years ago. Anyone talking about the six or the eight? I mean, I think this is something that he's, that's obviously come in. But uh, you know, Henderson in that sixth role that Klopp thinks he's doing. You know, this is why he's a very clever football manager and we're not because, you know, Jordan Henderson to me was always about getting into the box late and, you know, the thing that I thought needed so and I was he's got to take more of the chances he gets. What what Klopp looked at it and thought is he's never going to take more of the chances he gets. So I'm going to have somebody else getting those chances. I'm going to get Jordan Henderson to do the things that I know he does do and have him as the pivot. Christian, you've written a bit about Jordan Henderson in the past. I mean, you obviously you mentioned the number six and what was it the other thing called D- DM DM role or DM, something like that the, the football football manager thing. Yeah. I mean, what have you made of the transformation of Jordan Henderson this season? I've always been impressive. I think he's he's a. I need to be careful what I say it in terms of <laughs> he is. I think he's the ultimate scapegoat at the moment. I'm not sure why. I was looking last night because I was sort of you know covering England, keeping an eye on what was going on, and had to write something about Henderson's performance. Had an eye on Twitter, which is always a bad idea. And, and you know, <laughs> Liverpool fans absolutely slaughtering him, saying, you know, this proves why he isn't a leader. This proves why he shouldn't be a captain for Liverpool, let, let alone England. Blah blah blah. And it's just like, have you have you watched this player who has come into the team and I've basically had to lay in a completely different role. You, you think about what his attributes are when he was in his best in 2013-14. It was good movements, shuttling around, plucking gaps, uh, getting forward into the box. Yeah, he didn't score enough goals, but I mean, he got about five or six. Um, and, and, and just generally, you know, sort of, you know, popping off passes to Suarez and Sturridge and, and that sort of thing. With this, he's had to redefine his passing range, 
he has to he has to play those raking balls out a lot more now, and they have to be accurate. He has to have trust and confidence in his teammates because the club wants him to get forward as well. It's not the it's not this DM that people say where it's basically like this wardrobe who sits there and no one you know thou shall not pass. It's he, he get he, he, against Chelsea he was getting forward as much as anyone. He was he was he was the last man breaking forward. But for to do that, you need to be have the trust of your teammates to say, right, I'm going to go now. You know, Juan Alden, Lalana, you fill in for me, sort of thing. And he also, you know, just that positional discipline of sort of knowing when to go and knowing when not to go. You know, it's it's a it's a lot more convoluted than just basically sitting there like, a, let's say, a, an Eric Dyer. That's not the Spanish Dyer, but you know, that you look like an Orwan Yama. Um, you know, those sorts of players, even like a Mascherano back in the day, where. You know, you are there to break up the play, play steady passes, and you know there's a lot of risk in this role. And I think when you talk, when people talk about Jordan Henderson, everyone always concentrates, rightly so, really, on his, on his, um, you know, his characteristics. Oh, he's, you know, he's, he's a good, honest pro. He's professional. He's, uh, he's hard work and he's industrious. But I, I think what you've seen in this number six role is that he can play football as well, and he's got a really good football and brain. So he's, I haven't got the stats, but he's, he's leading the league in passing, isn't he? And and something these like are these are odd percent of them, or something like that, or or or, or forward passes exactly. as well. Yeah, he, he, he's not this player who's sort of just you know using his strength and his and his physical prowess, and then passing to, for for others to do the thing. He's doing that, and then he's getting involved in in in, in the intelligence stuff as well. So I think with many footballers, and I think online, especially when you look at social media, if they don't have one outstanding attribute that you know whether it be pace or goal scoring shooting. That sticks out. People criticise, and there's no, there's no, there's no uh, room to just be very tactically good. And obviously, they're, they're the sort of players that managers rate. And you always seem to have. I think a manager always seems to have one player that divides fans. Henderson and seems to be it for Klopp. Lucas was was always like that under Benitez. But they're players that they trust because they're tactically aware. They they don't make silly errors in games, and they you know they keep things ticking over within a formation. You can tell how good Henderson's been for Liverpool this year in a way because of how much that mistake he made for England last night stood out yeah, from the rest yeah. of his entire season. You know, it shows you how easy it is to make one mistake in that position and straight away what you're doing because of where you are. You know, you're potentially putting the opposition in in on goal. We saw it with Henderson playing that blind pass last night in Joe Hart. He obviously had a storming game has got him out of trouble, hasn't he? Although I would say there is no space in football for a blind or no luck pass. <laughs> it is not. It's, it, keep it to FIFA Street. It's not. It's not there for professional. Will you be doing that five aside tonight? Yeah, we'll do. We'll yeah, do. yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm not a professional footballer. Obviously, Jara did a, a look the other way pass for the England assist. Uh, well, I, I often play football on where the ball goes is not where I'm looking. <laughs> which is, I think, is that the same thing? Yeah, is that the yeah. same thing. But yeah. you don't. You don't need to look the other way. You just look the right way and play, play a good pass, and we're all happy. Right, that's enough international football. Right. Uh, <laughs> at least until November, which is only next month. Right, we're going to move on, Andy, about the Anfield Road end, because you wrote a piece from Ian Eyre. Was, what, what's, what's the background behind this? Um, well, Ian Eyre, uh, as he regularly does, attended the official Liverpool Supporters Club, which is the main liaison that the club has with um, supporters groups. There's lots of representatives from who represent different elements of the support group in there. Some represent foreign fans, some represent Merseyside fans, some represent disabled fans, various people are represented. And uh, their last meeting, which was just after the main stand opened, so we're talking a couple of weeks ago, um, the minutes for that were published yesterday by the club, and those are publicly available, you can see them on the club website. Uh, I had a scan through them last night, and there's some very interesting things from Ian Eyre when the issue of the Anfield Road was brought up. Um, 
he was asked about uh, you know where we were up to with it, uh, and for the first time really that I can remember, he he put a figure of sixty to seventy million pounds in terms of how much extending the Anfield Road would 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 cost. He also spoke about potentially you know six thousand extra seats on there. Now at the moment, I think the outline plan and permissions only for about four and a half. So obviously they think there might be some wriggle room in there with the, with with the city council. Um, but the key being that he suggested that that amount of outlay, 60 to 70, would cost around about uh, 15 years to repay. And uh, having done some uh, uh, mathematics on it, pretty much he's assuming about an 800 quid season ticket in there, which is roughly where we're at at the moment for 15 years. That would pay you back 60, 60 million. But he said that length of repayment, 15 years, you know, doesn't represent this stage a good investment for the club. Um, now, obviously, we've heard in the last month from John Henry speaking in America, suggesting that the issue of ticket prices was an issue in, in the Premier League and could potentially stop further expansion at Anfield, which uh, annoyed many fans because it seemed to be a sort of almost like a criticism of the of the fan stance earlier this year when the when the club had to do a U turn on the on the main stand prices. So. Um, it's interesting, um, you know, Ian Ayres saying that the club has to find a more rounded solution. So, you know, ultimately that could potentially take in, um, you know, potential naming rights for a stadium, for a stadium end uh, like that. Um, potentially whether they can find other finance coming from that end. The, the problem that Air mentioned specifically was, of course, that you, you don't get the hospitality offer into that end. Because uh, you haven't got all the facilities that they've, you know, already got in the main stand. So, um, so the question is, you know, how the club would find a financial solution um, to get the money, for, you know, to pay for it. And he, while he didn't, he certainly suggested something they're still looking at and, and investigating. Um, but I think some fans would be disappointed along in the view that 15 years doesn't seem that long to get a repayment back on such a you know you know decent thing in terms of getting six thousand more supporters into the ground for every game i mean are we that fussed if the Anfield road end doesn't get redeveloped anytime soon because let's face it it's been nearly 40 years since liverpool's capacity has been anything like it is now it just seems like everyone's got caught up in the whole main stand everybody has enjoyed it. The atmosphere's got better, it's more tickets, and I think they just want to see the club progressing maybe with another stand. But are we that bothered? I mean, it, 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 it'd probably be worth looking at this, you know, year down the line. Um, you know, tickets for Manchester United, you know, I speak to a lot of my friends and, and they're struggling for tickets. Um, when last year they wouldn't. Now, even though the capacity's bigger, what that shows is that obviously Liverpool are playing well the, 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 in the top end of the league and, you know, if this was two two years ago, or you know, twenty fourteen fifteen, tickets would have been would have been given away outside because that's just the way it is. I'm not saying football fans are fickle, but you know, people people have only got so much disposable income. Why would you go and see a team that aren't really fighting for for much? You know, you can understand that. It's a, it's a good point, isn't it? Because I've seen on social media a lot of people say sixty seventy million in today's terms. It doesn't feel in today's terms that much when they're trading players for that much, but. People saying why can't they just cover it with with prize money or assuming it's a TV cash, yeah, TV cash, Champions League money. But I think it wouldn't be financially prudent for the club to to bank on any prize money or any any success because we've seen clubs do that before in the past and then and then get get bitten for it. So 
you know, I'd rather them try and do it in a way that they think is financially prudent. Let's see if they can just sell out Anfield, you yeah. know, consistently yeah. with this new main stand. Let's see what the attendance is for Tottenham, for example. Yeah. You know, in the league, in the league cup. You know, let's see what let's see what the yeah. what capacity they can get there. I mean, the thing all you say is, I mean, talking about coming back to it in a year. I think if you, even if you make a decision now, you're probably talking. You know, you're looking at three or four years because you've got to go through planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got to, at the minute they've got outline. They obviously want to change that anyway by the signs of it. Then they'll have to go back with a detailed plan application, which can go, you know, take months to go through the city council, and then you've got to start thinking when can we build it in terms of, you know, uh, keeping the stadium open and, and that sort of thing. How long it's going to take. Um, the interesting thing, which I should have mentioned, was that uh, you know I was asked then whether the whether there was the uh, you know a representative of the Merseyside supporters on the committee uh, suggested that supporters are given the opportunity would potentially. Um, he, he felt um, you know pay for that investment, presumably you know through some sort of you know bond scheme or you know long term season ticket scheme that we've seen at other clubs, and uh, so potentially I guess you could you know find the finance where you're 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 paying off your season ticket over uh, every month for you know over a period of time, say the fifteen years that it takes, and you, but you're guaranteed. You know, a season ticket for 15 years, which could be very useful in two ways. One, to get it built without putting any strain on the club's finances, because ultimately, whatever anyone pays in season ticket is going in there anyway. It's just it's a more direct link. But also, obviously, you're getting a you know a few thousand people off that season ticket waiting list, and uh, you know they did manage to get some people off that list finally with the main stand, and it'd be good to see it, you know, come down even further. I mean, I think. What do you think, Joe? On what? On the whole issue. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, we're not we're not finance experts, so sixty seventy million doesn't appear that much. You would think that in this modern day, that creatively they can find a way of funding that, whether it be naming fans, rights. naming rights, you know, even player player trading. You know, if if Liverpool fans had to, well, actually, I say this, but they probably wouldn't accept it. But a summer of maybe selling more than two players to fund the stand for fund the. Long-term future of the club. I don't think they'd ever want to do they, that. They I might can't not. See but, ever but, go for that. You know, I mean, we would have turned a profit this summer. Didn't yeah, they? I mean, we would have expected Liverpool to have spent round about thirty million pound, which has been the sort of the norm in this transfer window. And, and, and Christian looked at this in a piece a few weeks ago, uh, which which uh, was really well read. But it was it was looking at the fact that you know Klopp had saved the money by essentially. You know, Joel Matip, who we we got for nothing, was essentially I think you put you know fifteen to twenty million pound player, etc. etc. Uh, and and we'd managed to sort of use um, Klopp's knowledge and contacts to be able to get get a great deal there. Now um, you don't know what you know in terms of what they've had to pay in terms of wages and signing on fees and all these things. But um, essentially, you know, if you were able to to you know save that thirty million in one more window. Then you know you're you're sort of there, and I think that's what frustrates supporters, because then they're not quite sure where you know if 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 there was a thought that we'd spend thirty million and we've been able not to you know so where does that money end up? FSG say they don't take any money out of the club, so you 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 where where is it? Feels odd that one day they're announcing a lucrative deal with um, Malaysia Airlines, the next day they're saying sixty million over fifteen years is not financially prudent. Could they, could they raise the money by saving money on not sending players out or back from international duty by scrapping internationals? 
<laughs> we've solved, we've rounded that problem excellently and solved it all. Or at least put them on EasyJet. <laughs> <laughs> EasyJet to Rio, is that where it goes? Yeah. <laughs> right, I think that'll do us for, for this podcast. Join us later in the week where we'll talk about uh, Manchester United and some game that's happening next Monday. See you until then.